Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I hope you're ready. We don't eat at my house, by the way. You're all invited to come if you want to, if you don't have another place to go to our house for lunch today at 1 o'clock. So that's 1 o'clock, and right now it is 10.22. So I hope you're ready, because I'm just going to preach until about 12.45. And then we'll head out and go do that. Because we're talking about the resurrection here, and we're talking about God's delight, and there's a lot of things here that we can talk about. So um, if you need to stretch, that's okay. I understand. need to take a little break, personal break. That's fine. But 12.45 will be done, I promise. Uh, we'll have the Lord's Supper and all that. So that's good. You ready? April Fool's. April Fool's. I might preach 20 minutes. We'll see. We'll see if we get there. But it's not an April Fool's that you're invited to our house at 1 o'clock to eat. You can come earlier if you want. Uh, we might be in the midst of cleaning, and so we'll invite you to join us for that. Uh, but uh, you're more than happy to be there early. But at 1 o'clock, we will meet today. How many of you recognize uh, this verse, these verses that we read today as our verse that we're preaching on? How many of you would be able to go, yes, I, I've heard that somewhere before? Yeah? Good. It's been our call to worship for the last two months. It's been the thing that we've been saying at the beginning of every service that has led us in to that place. And really, it's sort of the verses that, that I feel God has put on my heart and my mind to meditate on really for this year, I, I sort of at the very beginning of the year, saw these verses. And, and it reminds us of the things that the Lord God delights in. And as we move to this place of Resurrection Sunday, it's good to see how the resurrection, the crucifixion and the resurrection, actually embody these things that God delights in. But before we jump into that, I do think we need to acknowledge that it's April Fool's Day. And there are those out there who would say this is the biggest prank that has ever been perpetrated on the world. This idea that there was a man who died and then somehow came back to life. That it is a prank of epic proportions. And I would turn us to 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about this. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 20. He says, where's the one who is wise? Well, let's start in verse 18, sorry. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly 
of what we preached to save those who believe. For the Jews demanded a sign and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than the men and the weakness of God is stronger than man. The foolishness is stronger than the wisdom and the strength and the weakness is stronger than the strength of men. Do you hear the echo of Jeremiah 9? If a man is going to boast, what will he boast in? Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. Not like the rich man boast in his riches. You see, it's very easy for us to step back and say, oh, we figured it out. (laughs) Isn't that great? We're the ones who have figured it out. But the reality in our lives is that the resurrection is foolishness. Even to us. Even to those of us who have spent years and years in church. Years and years gathering together. It's hard for us to grasp in our hearts and our minds this wisdom and this strength that appear so readily as foolishness and as weakness. There is God crucified on the cross and laid in a borrowed tomb. Dead. Gone. Buried. And yet, three days later, on this very day, not this very day, but on the day of the resurrection, we celebrate that day. Because Christ, through God, is brought back to life. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And we hear it, and we want to respond with our hearts, yes! Yet somewhere in the back of our minds, we go, really? And what power does that possess for me? What is the thing that it will empower me to do? Well, I've got good news for you. Today, what we're going to see is how the resurrection and that crucifixion embody the very things that God delights. And then over the next four Sundays coming up, we're going to speak directly about what the resurrection actually means for us today and has meant all along since it took place. So I invite you to hang with us. So it's really not till 1245 that I'm preaching. It's over the next month that we're preaching about this. But let's turn to how we see the resurrection being the thing that shows us God's steadfast love, His justice, and His righteousness. So first, let's start with justice. And the first thing that we need to admit is that we often place ourselves as the arbiter or the decider of what justice should look like. And oftentimes that justice is very turned in on itself. Our look at justice is to say, what's in it for me? Our look at justice is to say, what am I going to receive out of it? It comes from a stance of against, that something wrong has happened to us, that we deserve better and we've not gotten what we deserved. And do you see how it just continually moves in on self? 
It seems like wisdom to us. Justice should be about me getting my just desserts. Justice should be about me getting what I deserve, right? What is rightfully mine, the recognition or the care or the love that I deserve. And by doing that, we enclose ourselves. But what God does is he moves towards justice from himself out to the world. You see, God, being the creator of the world, being the mighty one who knows all things and is in all things and holds all things together, has all right to say, bow down to me and do it now. But how he approaches that is he comes as a man in Christ and brings himself into the world and dies for the world to be raised again in new life to show that justice is not focused on what my desire is, but justice is focused on others. Justice looks out to say, how do I care? How do I pursue? How do I bring compassion? How do I move out of myself? And here's the beauty of it. It draws us out of ourselves and into what God is doing. Because God is always pursuing justice. He never stops pursuing justice. We're not completely there yet. <laughs> uh, we aren't all the way where we need to be in this. That's okay. Because God is working and moving and transforming us daily into the very image of his son, the resurrection, resurrected Lord, so that we can see and understand justice more clearly. And I will say this, that in the Christian world, in those who follow God, there will be disagreements sometimes about what justice looks like. So what's the test for us? The test is this. Does that justice move and align with what God wants to see happen in the world? Does he want people in bondage? No, he wants people free. Does he want people held down? No, he wants people lifted up. And so, we align ourselves because our hearts deceive us, because it's very easy for us to turn back and go, well, uh, but what do I get out of it? <laughs> and we focus on God moving justice out. And we see that taking place in the cross. Why? Because we did not deserve what we've received. That Christ would become sin. Unrighteousness. Death for us so that we could have life. That doesn't seem like justice. But justice of God is so mixed with his mercy. So mixed with his compassion that it moves us in the same way. Great, Pastor Lee, that's good. But what about righteousness? 
God delights in righteousness, and that means there has to be a standard, and that means there has to be a, a holiness. That means there has to be something that we have to attain to. That means there has to be something we have to reach. So what about that, Pastor Lee? What about that righteousness that he delights in? You're right. There is a standard that is above all things and over all things. And it is found clearly in the truth of God, both in the incarnated Son, Jesus, who lived as a human who was ever obedient and always listening to what the Father was requesting, and always not just listening to what the Father was requesting, but doing and accomplishing what the Father gave him to accomplish. But we also find it in the Word that is with us now. We look at it and we see those things that God has called us to do, that we love, that we seek mercy and justice, right? That we long to move into the other, that God calls us, those of us who have been captured by this God, this creator of the universe, and captured in a good way, not in a bad way, and brought in to his family in his love, those of us who have been captured, we can't help but want to know both mentally and emotionally and spiritually more of who he is and what he calls us to do. And where does that righteousness spring from? Does it spring from the list of rules that we tick off and keep? No. The Father says, I will write it on your heart. That it is not about us holding forth this great list and saying, I've done these eight things, I've got seven more to do, and I'll get there. What God does is he puts his righteousness in us. We see that clearly in the cross and clearly in the resurrection. Why? Because it's not a dead righteousness. It's not something that was done and completed and over with. Because of the resurrection, because God has given new life to Jesus, and by that virtue, given new life to us, we're new people. We no longer hang underneath the unrighteousness that we once hung under. We now stand firmly in the righteousness that God has given to us. It's beyond understanding. That I don't like mystery. So can you just show me some external things? <laughs> Do you delight in the people around you? When you encounter folks do you see them as those who were created by the Father? And do you look at them and, and, and look to find those places where God's love and mercy and truth draw you to? To say, they are one of God's creatures. They are one of God's children. And I love them, even though I might not like them today. It moves to a place of our heart being compelled 
by God's righteousness fully, fully seen in Jesus to grasp hold of all around us. And in doing that, we no longer are thinking about those things that we need to do, but we are doing them. And we're no longer thinking, maybe more importantly, of the things we shouldn't be doing. <laughs> because when we think about the things that we shouldn't be doing, sometimes that puts it in our minds, which then puts it in our hearts, which then puts it in our actions. And all of a sudden, I'm doing the things I don't want to do. So righteousness doesn't spring from keeping away from the bad. Righteousness springs from pursuing God's pure holiness, which is found in his delight for us and delight for all. And then, steadfast love. Oh, it is hard for us to even begin to fathom the mystery of steadfast love. It is hard for us not to sit there and think through the conditional love that we have all experienced and grown up with. We have a litany of relationships that have broken apart because somehow, in some way, one of those people in that relationship didn't match up, didn't meet the criteria. And so God, who delights in steadfast love, showed it clearly to say, death has come into the world, but my love that is ever pursuing for you, my love that is steadfast and does not change in the resurrection, it fully manifests itself in brand new life. We are no longer stuck in the ways that we've done relationships. We are no longer stuck in the ways that we are self-focused. We are no longer stuck in the things that bring us into bondage. We are set free from all those things through the resurrection because we have brand new life. And that is where the steadfast love of God so fully manifests itself. It says, I will move you from death to life. I will move you from bondage to freedom. I will move you from being an enemy being a child. And it grabs hold of us. And it moves us in. And propels us outwardly to live in his steadfast love. You see, the thing that God delights in is Christ and his resurrection. The thing that God delights in is Christ because he is and always will be and always has been the embodiment, the fullness of God's righteousness and justice and steadfast love. Over the years, there have been tons of new TV shows and other things that have come out, doing pranks on people. They, they want to pick somebody, a celebrity maybe, and they want to do a prank on them or a trick on them, and they film it with secret cameras hidden everywhere so that they can catch them in an awkward position. 
Sometimes they have a celebrity on their side who goes and pretends to do something. In the real world, Ellen is notorious for this. And so they go, and she's, got, and she's speaking to them through an earpiece and making them say really weird things to some checkout counter, and they're pranking them. On April Fool's Day, there will be pranks that happen all over the world. There are major corporations who will act like they're coming out with some new item or new thing that everybody will have to figure out what it is. If you're a techie, you always wonder what Google's going to put out as their April Fool's sort of app or whatever. Just shows you how techie I am. (laughs) Whatever those things are. Maybe in your own life, you were a prankster. You were the one who did those things. That, you know, would, I don't know, put mayonnaise in frosting jars, and people would go to dip out frosting, and, you know, they would have mayonnaise instead. That'd be gross. It's a prank. And why do we do pranks? Well, because we like to laugh at people. (laughs) Because we like their hard things that they have to... can we be honest? We just we like it that it's not on us and it's on them and we can look at them and go, how foolish you are that you would fall for that. I mean, really? Mayonnaise doesn't look like frosting. God did not fool you. God did not come to you and say, I know that my word, both incarnate in Christ and in what you read, is about my steadfast love and my justice and my righteousness, that it shows my mercy and how I pursue you. But it really not about that. I need you to do exactly what I ask you to do at all times. That's not what he did. He didn't fool us. What he did is he came. He broke in. He became man and embodied those things. All of what he delights in. And then rose from the dead to put us inside of that life. In order for us to receive justice and righteousness and steadfast love and to be those who give justice and righteousness and steadfast love. And so, on this April Fool's Day, on this Resurrection Sunday, as we, as those of us who are followers of Christ, work to move in that way, do not despair if you're seen as foolish, because you are not. And those of you who are trying to walk this journey and figure out, is this real, is it not real, how much of it's real, I want to know, let me say to you, God is not a prankster. God's not a prankster. He is truth. And He is pursuing you. Hear Him. Rest in Him. And know that life, life better than you've ever dreamed of, is available to you. Let me pray for us. Father God, you are holy and mighty. 
We pray that you will be the one who grabs us and guides us. We pray that these words that are spoken today will be your words, that they will not be words that end up void, but they will be words that bring you glory and honor, that they will bear good fruit. And if they're not your words, Father, let them blow away. Let them not take root in our hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen.